At the Rabbit Room, we're always saying that art nourishes community and community nourishes art. Here's another way to say the same thing. We can all be allies in bringing good, beautiful, true things into the world. One way you can be an ally with the musicians and writers and artists whose work you care about is to leave a review. It helps other people find and benefit from the work that has meant something to you. And if you want to leave a review for this podcast, well, that'll be okay too. Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Don Pape has been in the book business for a long time. These days, he's the publisher at Nav Press in Colorado Springs. He's a kind and generous man and much loved in the publishing world. On more than one occasion, he's given me an encouraging word just when I needed it. You're going to enjoy hearing from Don. Don Pape, uh, thank you so much for being on the Habit Podcast. Hey, fun to be here. Yeah, so you are a publisher at Nav Press. Um, you have been um, an editor in the past, if I'm not, if I understand correctly, right, Don? I've acquired, but my, you know, my career is varied. Um, publisher, marketing, sales, mm-hmm. um, and I've, I've, I wouldn't say I've edited a book. Okay. I've, I've done a sort of a macro edit. I'll read most of the manuscript. I, I read every manuscript I publish. Uh, sometimes two or three times, and then give my feedback to the the editor who is involved in the project. Uh-huh. Well, I one of my um, uh, sort of I guess you'd say policies on uh, the Habit Podcast is that I uh, only talk about the craft of writing and not the business of writing. I talk I always say I talk about writing, not publishing. However, I, I yeah, thought it'd be yeah. fun to make an exception and just uh, just hear from your side of things. You, you said just some things that maybe people writers don't know about about publishing. Uh, cool. And uh, and I've got your questions. Okay, <laughs> great. Um, what? Yeah. So, what is a um, tell tell us about what a what an acquisitions editor does? What what a what a substantive editor? You know, what, what the different kinds of editors do? What, what a what a publisher does? Can you just kind of give a quick overview of how things work in a publishing company? Sure. So, I mean, my role is is author relations primarily, but uh, with some fingers in the business pie. So, I work with our business manager and finance. That's the part, mm-hmm. <laughs> candidly, I like the least. Uh, the most fun is working with the authors and the editors, quite frankly. But uh, you, you mentioned different editors. You know, there's an acquisition editor mm-hmm. that um, is the the individual who is out there uh, beating the pavement, trying to find new talent. Mm-hmm. Um, they will, you know, they'll go out. They'll hear of a a pastor that's an up and comer, or they're they'll go to a um, a writers conference and meet individuals. Uh, they're they're one they're they're hunters. They're out there looking for the new voices, and most big houses have those out there. They often are not editing the actual product. They're sort of at the macro level, yeah. so they're out there acquiring, uh, getting it in. The developmental editor, um, and sometimes that can he 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 or she can be an acquisitions editor and a developmental editor, but in most cases. Very often, it's it's different roles. Mm-hmm. The developmental editor is they're looking at the the whole project and looking at the arc 
of of the book, okay. um, move, moving chapters around. They'll look at it and say, you know, if we put chapter eight at the very front, that's where the book actually kicks off. Let's move that. Um, it's it's what they are. It's it's what the the title would suggest. They're developing with the author a stronger book. Uh-huh. Um, and then you have the copy editor, and they're the they're the style Nazis, or the style <laughs> manual cop. You know, they're they're going through and getting nuances and the grammar, and they have you know the Chicago uh, manual by their side, yeah. guiding them all the way. Um, you know, and and then you have the proofreaders that come along after that that are just catching you know grammatical errors or the comma in the wrong spot or two spaces behind a comma, yeah. heaven forbid, oh, no. those kind of things. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting is each of these editors play to different people's dispositions. So, you know, I have a copy editor that is an introvert and loves to just be in that role of, you know, sitting in front of the screen, looking at the text. And then you have another editor who is an extrovert and is ideally suited to be the acquisitions person going out being the life of the party yeah. finding all the all the voices and uh, and so on so you you said you've done acquisitions not the other not the other roles i i'm not trained as an editor my you know i came into this through the back door um i i was uh i had a part-time job i was an university staff working on a campus uh-huh. and I could make extra money working in the university press warehouse, picking and packing and shipping. Uh-huh. So I came in through the warehouse. Then I became, I was involved in graphic design, did some marketing, then got moved over to, to sales. And, um, it was in my role as a sales, uh, director that we acquired Harold Shaw publishers where, for example, Madeline Langle was, uh, okay. and I became her publisher, and then um, got into the publishing role where I oversaw, worked with the editorial director and editors, and so on. So it it has been a circuitous road. Yeah, road, I say but so. I got into this role as publisher that way. Uh-huh. Most publishers, you know, would come in through editorial they're they're you know a copy editor or you know kind of an entry level and then they they ascend uh-huh. into the publishing role yeah 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 interesting so what what is something um what's something about your business that surprises people i mean that that a writer would be surprised to learn about your your business about, about what publishers do well yeah i you know i mentioned to you that i came in through sales uh-huh. and um Sales can be a nasty word, a dirty word for <laughs> editor types, yeah. you know, wor- wordsmiths who, you know, ooh and ah over, you know, a little word or a syntax or whatever. And I think what authors, what your listeners may be surprised to hear is that everyone is a salesperson. So while you have a sales team, a sales manager, sales director, you have tele- telemarketing and telesales the editorial team are really salespeople. And that's one of the things I, as a publisher, work with our sales, with our editors to educate them and help them understand you are a salesperson. When you find that author that you love and you want us to publish, you've got to do a sales pitch 
alt, you know, initially at the editorial roundtable, mm-hmm. at the editorial discussion, and then it will go up the sort of the food chain to the publishing committee, and the editor will present that project. And you've got to do a sales job to them, convincing them, convincing marketing that it's worth their while, convincing sales that they can a- actually take it to market. And then, and then you meet in front of the designers, you know, the ones that are going to put a cover to this project. You got to sell them too. And somewhere along the lines, often the editor will meet a speed bump. You know, the the designer will say, "I don't understand the title," or mm-hmm. "I've read the manuscript and I'm not figuring out how." And that's a that's a good thing, yeah, because uh, that those are the first lines of defense before we actually take it to the consumer. And uh, so anyway, all that to say, Jonathan, it's really important that the editors, as much as they hate it, that they know how to sell their project, that they can, you know, really defend it and say, this is, you know, in 30 seconds or less, this is what my book's about. Um, and so what can uh, what can writers do for editors? I mean, editors who, who don't think of themselves as salespeople, but, but are forced into that role, uh, what can writers do for them? I, I think the best thing a writer can do is is help them understand what is your book about. <laughs> you know, when when an, a writer says, "Well, this is really a book not unlike the Left Behind series," or "This is a book very similar to you know Star Wars," well, that's all good and proper, but help me def- define it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And uh, so writers writers can really. Um, yeah, writers too need to sell. Yeah. Um, and I've often been at a writers' conference with an, a writer, and they just haven't done enough of a sales pitch to convince me to say, "Oh, that's I'm I'm interested in that." Uh, or yeah. you know, that seems that's the same old same old of fifty two other people in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do you still go to uh, the writers' conferences where people are are? I mean, is that still part of your your world? You know, Jonathan, if I do, I don't go uh, to acquire. That is not my uh, first uh, priority. I go simply to encourage writers. Um, That may sound silly. Uh, So in saying that, I don't go to a lot, to be honest. But if if and when I do, I always let the the sponsoring group or the host or the director know. You know, if I come, I'm happy to be there. But I I want you to know I'm not going for them uh, for their attendees to be acquired by Random House or David C. Cook or whoever. I'm going simply to encourage them in the craft of writing. And so I've met over the year a variety of over the years with a variety of writers, and just said, you know, if you never get published, that's a really good story, and uh, you know, write it for your family or write it for yourself, or you know, that cliche, write it for an audience of one. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the role I've had uh, over the past thirty years is just providing that encouragement. Yeah. Hmm. So. Um, uh, one question, one thing I've I've been interested to to talk to publishers, editors about is the question of um, editors and publishers often say what they're really looking for is a unique voice from a writer. Right. Um, what do you mean? I, I assume is that something you say, Don? <laughs> 
And if so, yeah. what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, sales will, will always say, oh, do they have a platform? Right. Oh, brother. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what, what um, you know, when we get a project uh, in an editorial, invariably, it's that unique voice. It's that freshness to the topic. It's the distinctive. It's... You know, it's Mike Mason writing on the mystery of marriage yeah. in a way that you've never thought of marriage. It's uh, your local friend there, Andy Ashworth, writing on hospitality, right. unlike anything you've ever read. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, Madeline Lengel on faith and the arts in, you know, walking on water. You you read it and go, oh, um, I, I'm caught up in this. And it's a book on, you know, childcare, but it's so beautifully written. It's, it's rich, you know, it's, it's a, a severe mercy yeah. by Sheldon Van Aken. It, and they're rare and few and far between, but, um, so that's what you're trying to help. Um, you hope that each author would find their voice and bring their voice rather than, like you said earlier, you know, when I meet with an author and they say, well, I'm just like, you know, Max Licato or Andy Andrews. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but I want to, I want Jonathan Rogers to come through yeah. and read it, you know? So it's that uniqueness. It's the, the Madeline Langles, the Eugene Peterson's. I mean, you know, when you read the message Bible, um, you've read the King James or the NIV, and then you read it through his voice and you go, wow, yeah. that is such a different take on the Beatitudes. Yeah. Is there any is there any way to give people guidance on voice? You know, I mean, it's you know, when you go to a, to, a, to a writers conference to encourage writers. In what are there ways that you encourage them to to uh, to have a unique voice or, or to or, or to, to point them in the right direction or, or whatever? Sure. Yeah. I mean, only you can write the Jonathan Rogers story, and only you. You know. So when I meet. Some some writers try so hard to be something they're not, yeah. and you've got. I, I think the voice comes from writing from the heart and honing that craft uh -huh. and learning how to tell a story really well, rather than a gun for hire. Yeah, you know, oftentimes I'll I'll be at a writers conference, for example, and they'll say, "What are you looking for? What what, what would you like me to write about?" And, you know, do you want me to write a book on marriage? Do you want me to write on divorce? What, you know, what, what, what's hot right now? Rather than, you know, I have a passion. I want to really write well and discover my voice in writing this book about whatever, yeah. you know, insert topic here. And, and you, you know, the books that, you know, there are so many books coming out more now than ever, probably, but those books that, rise to the top are the ones that you go oh the distinctive of this person writing on we did uh um a book on parenting with a, a writer Catherine mcneil from uh she's from chicago uh -huh. and there's many books for moms on on parenting but her book was exceptional and it was just her voice it was it was just beautiful and so voice tell me about uh Sorry for being insistent. Um, are you talking about the way she writes sentences? Are you talking? What What are you talking about when you said her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 her use of words. It's 
um, her stories, uh, how how she wrote her stories, her yeah, her choice of words, um, her pacing, uh-huh. <laughs> her thesis, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, yeah, and and the takeaways, the nuances, and um, yeah, and I I don't know. I mean, you can go and learn how to write, you know, sort of the craft of spelling and grammar and all those kind of things but it's then how do i put my words together um you know everyone can sew but not everyone can needlepoint mm-hmm. and i guess that's what i would say yeah i'm also interested in the idea that um on the one hand at an editor in a publishing house's job is to is to help a um a writer get their voice out there, there's always the risk of, of somehow hijacking, an editor hijacking a, a writer's oh, yes. voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a good, a good editor will come alongside the, the writer and make them good to great. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, oftentimes, uh, and I've, I've said this to you, I, I think I mentioned to you earlier, I, in my career of over 30 years, on occasion, I've had to take um, a, a an editor off of a project because they were overpowering the author. They they were wanting to write the book, and you have to come alongside of the editor and say your books your t- your name is not on the cover. Yeah. Um, it's it's the author, yeah. and you're here to edit the book, not write it. And um, so, so yeah, like I said, I, I, I've, I have had on occasion, probably two or three times, um, pulled an, an editor off a project and reassign a new editor to the project wow. uh, because of that. I'm just curious, how did you as the publisher know that was happening? Um, I was reading the manuscript and uh, reading it going, this doesn't sound at all like person X. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I, like I said, I'm not going to share names, sure. but, you know, this was someone that you would be familiar with and you probably would have heard of them speak. And then when you go to read their book, you realize, oh my gosh, this doesn't sound at all like him yeah. at all. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I often say that sort of the, the start of when I talk to writers about voice, and it's, it's a hard thing to talk about because I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's sort of nebulous, right? It's one of the things you know when you see it. You know a unique voice when when you see it, but it's kind of hard to to know how to how to pin things down. But um, I often say you want to make sure in your writing you're never writing a sentence that you uh, that you wouldn't want to say out loud. <laughs> that, that somebody would laugh if they heard you say out loud. You know, right, right. Um, I, I mean that's that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as what voice is, but it's a good place to start. Am, you know, am I writing this in such a way that it, it it, at least it sounds a little bit like something I might say. Exactly, exactly. So if I'm sitting around a fire, a campfire, and you're spinning a yarn, mm-hmm. and then I go and pick up, um, you know, what, what what was your book? The Bark, the bark of the Bog. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I start reading it, and it feels like it's an Amish <laughs> novel. Uh, I go, what happened? Yeah. You know, how did we go from Jonathan, um, you know, you know, giving a yarn, you know, giving a campfire talk or story yeah. and spinning a yarn around the fire. And then I'm getting this and going, whoa, this is an all like you. <laughs> yeah. You know, when when my uh, when my books came out, 
you know, when, when the when the bog came out, I got an email from a friend who I hadn't seen since college. That would have been you know fifteen years or so, and she right. and she said uh, I read your book and it sounded like you. And I thought, all right, that was a that was a good thing. You know, somebody who hadn't talked to me in fifteen years, but she still thought this sounded like me. Um, that's that's your highest praise. Oh, I loved it. Right yeah. when someone when someone reads a book and goes, oh, I could hear you saying this. Yeah, that's your highest praise. Yep. That that made me feel like I was on the right track. Yeah. So that 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 suggests you found your voice mm-hmm. because if what uh, what your friend said was it sounded like you, and they hadn't seen you since you know high school or whatever, then yes, Jonathan, you found your voice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and therefore had a lot a lot more confidence to sort of move forward with my. Writing, you know, that was the first book I'd ever written, and and uh, and yeah, that that was affirming. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you write, or what do you write when you write besides emails? <laughs> I have a novel that is gestating. Really, let's put it that okay. way. And one of these days, maybe when I retire, Lord may it be soon. Um, <laughs> I will I will get it but yeah I I have a novel uh Jonathan that I have started and I dabble at it every now and then it's set in 1964 Brazil okay and um yeah in fact I've I've started thinking about it again uh even today I was thinking I need to get back to that and just start writing it I I was born and grew up in Brazil first 10 years of my life okay. so it's kind of informing the book um, and what I can't decide is if it's YA or adult fiction, but um, stay tuned. Okay. Um, and <laughs> when – have you been back to Brazil a lot since your first 10 years? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went back uh, – yeah. So I've gone back as an adult now. But I, what I've done is I've pulled some books on Brazil during that time period, and that's kind of informing my storyline. I won't tell you – much about it, but that's the setting, and um, it it's it's helping me. It'll, it'll be a novel, and uh, I'm just seeing where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a novel in which place is going to be important. Yes, yes. Great. Will there be monkeys involved? Possibly. Okay. <laughs> I, this is just free advice. Where you can, any place you can work monkeys into a story, people love that. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So last question I always end with, um, who are the writers who make you want to write? Well, you know, see if you recognize this this writer. Um, This is uh, the opening line of his his book or their book. I don't remember one thing about the day I was born. (laughs) It hasn't been for lack of trying either. I know that one. So (laughs) The Charlatan's Boy by you know who. Um, yeah, I, you, you, you are one of, uh, you know, Leaf, Leaf Anger, who wrote Peace Like a River, um, Eugene Peterson, there's, there's a number of writers, uh, Jonathan, that just, you know, they're, are inspiring, and you, you just go, wow, Mm. um, yeah, I, you know, there's, um, John Blaze is a pastor, local pastor. He's written a few books. He's written some poetry. Uh-huh. Um, he's uh, amazing. Um, I have just discovered a new writer, Kara Wall. 
she wrote a novel just came out from Simon and Schuster called The Dearly Beloved. Oh my goodness, when, it's an incredible story. When you say Walt, W A L L or W A H L? Yeah, W A L L. Okay. Yeah, and uh, just you know, again that voice thing, but just she, it, she's writing a story about these two Presbyterian pastors. And their friendship and their wives and, you know, go out and read the book. But um, she, she's inspired me. Um, she's put the bug in me again to go back and say, you know, I, I should go back and finish uh, or dabble in writing that novel that I started uh-huh. some time ago. <laughs> That's great. So what was it about that book that made you say, I want to go try this again? Yeah, it's it's how it's the characters she developed. They just were larger than life, and they were uh, fully developed, three dimensional. You know, one pastor was this way, another pastor was this way. One wife, um, uh, you know, spoiler alert one uh, one of the pastor's wives is, she is um, agnostic, hmm. and so you imagine this guy in the pulpit every Sunday with his wife who doesn't believe in anything he's talking about. Yeah. Um, you you just really got in there and felt them uh, and understood their, you know, their angst, their, yeah, their rhythm, their, yeah, you, you just, they were fully developed. And I, and I was taken away in the story. Um, you know, I found myself... You know, uh, I I don't know if you read uh, Leif Anger's latest novel, yeah, Virgil Wander. Uh, Virgil yeah. Wander. You know, again, you're in this small town on a lake, yeah. uh, trying to put together a festival, <laughs> um, and all these quirky people. This guy that's running a movie theater that's you know yeah. going to close down any moment. Um, you, you're just there. I know. And One thing I love about that book is that it makes me want to go to this place that I would ordinarily not want to go to. You know, right, I, I, right. I want to go see a dismal little town on Lake Superior now. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and I, I think that's that's the, the to answer your question, which writers make you want to write? They're the writers that take you away to their place, yeah, wherever that that place is. Yeah, um, and you just you, you know you almost mourn. You know, when I finished Dearly Beloved. I, I had to take two or three days before I could read another novel. Mm. I, I just, you know, I've just lost really dear friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know the 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 books that make me like things that I didn't think I liked. Um, I, I love just those are the ones I really really love. You know, whether whether yeah. it's a genre that I thought I didn't like, or I mean, I've, I've talked about this in the podcast before. I, I love Dickens, and yet Dickens breaks every rule of writing that I think. That I that I say I hold dear, you know, and uh, but I love him anyway, and that makes me love him more. Yeah. The fact that he's overcome all yeah. my all my rules, all my prejudices, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the fact that that Bruce Springsteen makes me wish I could live in New Jersey, you know, that's saying something right, right there, you know. <laughs> right, right, ride a motorcycle yeah. and wore a torn T shirt. Right, <laughs> that's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, well. 
Don, thank you so much for taking some time with me uh, today. I, I have uh, really, I always love talking to you. It seems like it's been a long time since we've talked, but um, but I've got it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while, Jonathan. You need to write another book. Uh, well, okay, uh, duly noted. <laughs> I, I I think I'll try okay. to do that. Your your friend from high school or whatever is awaiting as I <laughs> as I'm. Okay, good. All right. Well, thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Take care. The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio and the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to the Arcadian Wild for allowing us to use their delightful song, Finch in the Pantry, as part of this podcast. Check out their album of the same name for more excellent music. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to fostering Christ-centered community and spiritual formation through music, story, and art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.